Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. We are in week two of a series called Talking Points. And in this series, we're, the byline there is the perfect blend of religion and politics. As if there is a perfect blend of these two things that we so don't want to mix, religion and politics. Um, I figured that after the election, now that we, according to some, have a president, we will certainly have a president in January, um, it might be time to get a little uncomfy here. Is that okay? If we get a little uncomfy at Apex? Yeah. I think it's, it's okay if we get a little uncomfortable, as long as it makes us better. <laughs> then it will have been worth it. Um, and the way I say it, the church should be the safest place to talk about anything. That's, that's how I see church. It should be the safest place to talk about politics, money, sex, science. We should not be afraid to talk about anything here. Certainly age-appropriate things, but <laughs> we shouldn't be afraid to talk about. We don't, don't need to back away from anything. We were talking about politics in everyday life. Why not here? Week two of Talking Points. We asked some really probing questions last week. That got me to thinking, and hopefully got you to thinking as well. Questions like, how, how do we grapple with a political world as a Jesus follower? Am I willing to put my faith filter above my political filter? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to be a Christ follower first and an American second? To be a Christ follower first and a Republican, Democrat, Green, Libertarian second? Am I willing to do those things? Don't hear me say that you shouldn't get involved in politics, that you shouldn't have political opinions. You absolutely should. Last week, we, we laid out some reasons why, right? Things like cu our culture matters. The culture that we're living in matters, and we need to be there to shape it and be there to guide it. Taking care of people matters. <laughs> we need to be, um, as we develop our policies and the things we support, we need to be taking care of people in our world that are not well taken care of. The opportunity to show God's love in politics matters. We need to take those opportunities. We have a job to do as Christ followers to show people what God's love looks like in the realm of politics. What I am suggesting is that we prioritize Jesus's prayer request for us. That's what we talked about last week, right? His prayer request that we would be united, we would never be divided, and that we would disagree politically and yet still love unconditionally and pray for unity, just like Jesus did. Tonight, we are talking about a template. Last week, we kind of talked about like why it's important the church is unified in a political world. Tonight, let's get a little more um, practical, uh, maybe. Uh, we'll, I'll let you be the judge of that. We're going to talk, I'm going to give you a template for as we decide what are the political things, the, the social issues, what are the things that we should be getting behind? I'm going to build a template. I'm not going to really mention many of them specifically, but I'm going to give you a template for how to decide how to process the, a, a political world through the faith filter, because faith needs to be first before our politics. So if we're getting wooed by a particular candidate or policy, these are the things we take a step back and we say, as a Christ follower, how do I process this with my faith filter First, Paul wrote much of the New Testament. You may have heard his name before, especially in here. He gives us a good starting point for that template. And he uses this helpful phrase for us, the law of Christ. This 
phrase is going to be helpful. Um, and he uses this phrase as like a shorthand for the new covenant that Jesus brought in, the new covenant command Jesus brought into the world. Because there was an old way, right? The old sacrificial, bring a lamb to church and you got to kill it for your sins. There was a whole old situation. And Jesus, the Messiah, was bringing in a new whole situation. So he's bringing in this new command. Um, in John 13, 34, Jesus is teaching his disciples this new command. And this is what he says. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. That doesn't sound earth-shattering. <laughs> but at the time, they were dealing with hundreds of commands. And Jesus is saying, it's as simple as this. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. This is the new command, the value system, the moral standard. It's the marching orders for the kingdom that Jesus is trying to build here. Uh, and if I can conclude what he said there, and Jesus said in verse 35, he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your unity will show that you are my people. He may have been saying their oneness was their witness. You may have heard that last week, so we'll move on. Paul weaves this idea. He wrote, like I said, two-thirds of the New Testament. He's writing letters to churches. He's mentoring people. And he, he weaved this idea into a bunch of his letters. The law of Christ is what he called it. Here are some examples. In 1 Corinthians 9, he said, To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Is he under the law or not? Paul get a grip. What are you saying? So he is saying, I'm not under the old law. I'm not under the law of Moses, the Torah, the, the many, many commandments that, you know, the, the Jewish people were living by. And it's not that he's free from God's law now. He says, I am under the law of Christ. There's our phrase that we're looking for. I'm under Christ's law. That is the covenant that I'm living for. He also wrote in, uh, to Christians in the province of Galatia. This is really practical. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ. There's that phrase we're looking for. This one's really prescriptive. How, how do you fulfill the law of Christ? I heard what it is, but how do I do that? Carry each other's burdens. So, have you ever seen someone burdened or known someone that was burdened? That may be a general phrase, but you would know it like someone is burdened financially, someone is burdened at work, Someone's burdened with a, 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 they're sick, an illness, some sort of physical sickness. They're just generally burdened in their life, heavy stuff going on in their lives. We know what it's like to see people that are burdened. And we are supposed to carry the burdens of each other. Carry the burdens of one another. This is a picture of what the family of God is supposed to look like. What the law of Christ looks like. This, the marching orders for the kingdom of God. Carrying each other's burdens is what that looks like. We do this stuff for each other. The family of, and kingdom of God carries each other's burdens. At Apex, we carry each other's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. Here's a, a little phrase that might help. When the concerns of others concern you, when the concerns of others concern you, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. When you act on that, when the concerns of others concern you, you are fulfilling the law of Christ. I'm going to slide our bottom line for this, this conversation in right here, because I think it brings us back into the world of politics. If we were to say people over politics, that's what the law of Christ in our politics, in our uh, political beliefs, policies, platforms, legislature, 
people over politics. And again, I'm not saying you ignore politics. That doesn't mean get rid of it. It just means people come first. People over politics. And as we live by the law of Christ, remember we're building this, um, this template. As we live with the law of Christ, over time, it will change us. As we are making choices to love one another, carry each other's burdens, it will change us and it will give us an informed conscience. You may know your conscience as the little voice in your head, the angel and the devil on your shoulder, right? Um, if you're following Jesus for long, the Holy Spirit's voice is, is your conscience. That voice in your head that is teaching you the right choices, helping you to fulfill the law of Christ. So as we follow Jesus, our conscience is rewired to the law of Christ. So that when we break the law of Christ, we notice. When someone around us is breaking the law of Christ, our conscience is, it notices. We become aware that this is not the law of Christ. This is breaking the law of Christ. It informs our conscience. When we don't love people like Jesus loved them, our conscience notices. When we don't put people over politics, our conscience should notice. It should bother us us with an informed conscience, we should notice those things. And this is the same process we go through on a personal level, right? So like when I need to apologize because I know that I messed up, it's my informed conscience that says, I need to make that right. When I put someone else's needs in front of my own, that's my informed conscience helping me to make those decisions. It's the thing that drives us to make choices that reflect the law of Christ, the love of Jesus. So it happens on a personal level, and it also happens on a body of Christ level. It happens in a community level. And that means the body of Christ should be disturbed, irritated, convicted by some of the same things. I'd love to say all of the same things, and if we were perfect, it would be all of the same things. But we're all different. We're going to go into this more later, but we're all different. We're all on different places in our walks with Jesus. We all experience life differently, and we're all missing God's voice in our own unique ways. But some things should violate our collective conscience. Am I making sense? Some things we should be aware of, things that, things that we should all be concerned about because the law of Christ has changed us. When we see injustice, when we see disrespect, when we see someone undermining their own future or their family or their community, the law of Christ has informed our conscience to say, that's not it. That's not what Christ has created for us. When people are not treated with the love of Jesus, we should be moved by these things. Our conscience should notice. So according to Jesus, while we are determining back into the political world, the, the policies and the politicians we support, we have to ask, how does it impact people? Because Jesus would say, what's good for people is what's good. What's best for people is what's best. Because he would, Jesus would say, people over politics. Here's an example of informed conscience coming to life. Once upon a time, infanticide was a, a custom, an accepted custom in especially Roman society, but in societies all over the place. Um, that, it, that means it was a regular practice for a family to take a newborn baby into the woods and leave that baby in the woods and go home and leave the baby to die, exposed to the elements or animals or whatever nature is going to make happen in that situation. It was not just accepted, but it was seen as good for the family and for the culture, for the society. In fact, in certain situations in the Roman Empire, it was required to leave your baby 
out to die. It was required by law in some, some cases. So often families would do this maybe because it was a girl and they just, they hadn't had a boy yet or they didn't want a girl and you know, boys take care of the farm, boys carry the family name. That's just how it was. Maybe a baby had a birth defect or was disabled in some way. They would leave this baby in the woods. Or maybe a man suspected that his wife was unfaithful and that the baby belonged to somebody else. You would just leave that baby in the woods and that problem would go away. In these scenarios, the family would take the baby outside the city walls, um, leave them in, in a forest or by a river, and they would go home. And legally, they were not responsible for what happened to that baby because they, you couldn't take the baby's life yourself. But if you left that baby, the fates would decide. This was a you know, religiously adjacent practice. The fates would decide what would happen. This is, it was just the way it was. It was self-evident that this was okay. And like I said, sometimes preferred. It was good for our family. It was good for our society. But Christians had an, who were living under the law of Christ had a transformed, rewired, informed conscience and said, that doesn't sit right with us. So Christians condemned infanticide and exposure and then eventually began to patrol the places where these babies were being left. So Christians would march through the woods, go down by the river where they knew babies were left, and they would collect these babies and bring them into their family, into their homes. These are not rich people. <laughs> there was no assurance that they, were, they, they didn't need another mouth to feed. But their informed conscience would not let them sit by as babies were dying in the woods. This is history. This really happened. Real Christians changing the world. The love of God drove them to action. This is not required in scripture. Thou shalt not let babies die in the woods. It, it's not quite like that. But love required it. The law of Christ, their informed conscience required it, that they intervene. Then the Roman Empire begins to accept Christianity, promote it all over the place. In 318, Emperor Constantine declared infanticide a crime. You were no longer allowed to do this without punishment. Um, 50 years later, 60 years later or so, in 374, Emperor Valentinian made exposure a capital offense. If you did this, you had to pay with your life. It went from being self-evident, okay, beneficial, to a crime, to criminal. And because when the law of Christ informs the conscience of a person or of a culture, things change. It will change a person. It will change a culture. And that's the role that Christians played in this story. And it's the role we get to play as well because this type of stuff is happening today in a not so different way in the, in the issue of abortion. So as the church is united with an informed conscience, this is our role to play in the political realm. We let the law of Christ inform our conscience. That brings us to the third part of our template. Um, we let the law of Christ inform our conscience. And we take, in addition to that, the knowledge and wisdom that we have gathered. So one of the great things about being human is that we can like write things down. <laughs> we are good at communication. Your parents might think differently of you <laughs> or of each other, but we are good at communicating. We have this really great ability to write things down and pass things on to the next generation. My dog has never said, I am a better dog because my mom was a dog that was taught by her mom, etc. <laughs> right? Like the dog, you know, there are things in the animal kingdom that parents teach their kids, um, but they don't pass information down, accumulate information from generation to generation like we have as humans. That is something that we have developed. And this is another great uh, reason that we stay united because the older generation has a thing or two to teach us. 
And the older generation has a thing or two to learn from us as well. But this is one of the great things about being human is we get to teach each other and accumulate generation. And ideally, that means every generation is going to be more equipped than the last. That's why today we're no longer driving cars that are pulled by horses <laughs> because we are accumulating information and we, can, we should continue to accumulate information to face new challenges. And this is where the knowledge and wisdom part is what kind of puts our heart in check at times because our informed conscience might lead us in a direction that is unwise. Something that we think is going to help people, but wisdom and knowledge would tell us that it doesn't. Maybe we have great intentions because our informed conscience, the law of Christ has changed us, but it might lack wisdom. So wisdom and knowledge help us to love people in a way that actually works. That's a part of this template. So as we're processing politics through the filter of faith, we apply the law of Christ and our informed conscience, as well as knowledge and wisdom of science, psychology, economics, etc. We are accumulating knowledge and wisdom, and we use those things to guide our policies and platforms that we support. So that means as Christians, we should be at the forefront of wisdom, at the forefront of knowledge. We should never resist science. We should never be afraid of research. We should never be afraid of questions. Of course, wisdom also teaches that sometimes people get things wrong, but we should never be afraid of new ideas, new opinions. I believe Christians should be the most curious people on the planet. You should be the most curious people. We are not threatened by a new idea or new finding. We should be the most curious people. This is the reason that when you get like an earache, you don't call me. Your parents don't call me. Because there was a time where when people were sick or in pain, the only person they, they didn't have doctors. <laughs> the only person they had was the spiritual leaders. They would call their pastor. Now we know that you can get like an antibiotic to clear that up pretty quick, and I can't give you those, so you call a doctor. And that's okay. My feelings aren't hurt. <laughs> because you know more, and you do better. And that doesn't mean that you don't accompany these things with prayer. You don't call a doctor because you don't believe that God can heal you. But you know, we have gained the knowledge and wisdom that a little medicine will take care of you. Now, what we have covered so far, the law of Christ and informed conscience, knowledge and wisdom, these things sound a little formulaic. It seems like when we use all of these three things, we can determine the policies and platforms that we should subscribe to as Christians. It seems like we should all come together to the same perfect political conclusions. Has that been your experience? <laughs> uh-uh, <laughs> me neither. What happens when it comes to policy and platforms, there will always be disagreement. Even in the church, there will always be disagreement. And this might have something, this might be somewhere where we have to do some work. So lean into this tension with me. Um, one of the reasons that we are always gonna be working on these disagreements is because where you stand determines where you sit. This is actually a quote from Rufus Miles. How would you like a name like Rufus? I feel bad that that name didn't last. Rufus Miles. This is, it's called Miles Law as well. Uh, Miles, Rufus Miles was a federal official for uh, the administration of President Eisenhower, Kennedy, and Johnson. Had a, a long tenure in politics. And he said this, where you stand depends on where you sit. Where you stand depends on where you sit. Here's the idea. Your political views... And don't hear me like over-politicize you. You might be like, I don't really have very many political views. You will get some, so, you know, bear with me. Your political views were not created in a vacuum. 
all of us, we don't get to pick our political views uninfluenced by the world around us. This is the same thing for your parents, for every friend you have, everybody you meet, their political views, where they stand, was determined by where they sit to some degree, impacted by the world that they were formed in. So this is why many people see no conflict at all with their faith and their politics. In fact, they love this series because they're like, I know somebody that really needs to hear this <laughs> because their politics are over their faith. This is why, you know, obviously, when you put faith first, you end up on my side of the political aisle. And then everyone else is saying, well, obviously, when you put faith first, you end up on my, why can everybody say that? <laughs> why is it that everybody can say that somebody's gotta be wrong? And I would agree, somebody's wrong on every issue. We are all wrong to some degree. But my point is, we need to be aware of the things that impact a person as they're developing their views. We need to be aware of the things that help us create those things. Some of these things are things that like, people don't even have control over. So here's a few. Where we live, how we were raised, how much money we have, where we were educated, if we were educated, what we've been told, what we've seen, what we've experienced what we've seen others see, what we've seen others experience. These are just a few of the dynamics that shape someone's political viewpoints because all of those things can be different in many, many ways. And that, those are the things that impact where we stand. So I'm not trying to say that one person's perspective is more valid than another. There is a right answer, but we are going to disagree on what that right answer is. I'm saying when you recognize that this is true, that you're that where you stand depends on where you sit. When you recognize that that's true, that everybody sits in a different place, that it, it's what makes it so easy for us to stand in a different place. When we realize this, it's a step toward unity. It's not just because they were raised wrong. They were messed up, you know? It's a step towards unity when we recognize where you stand depends on where you sit. It's a step toward oneness. So as we listen to the perspectives of other people, we're better for it. We're going to learn and we're going to grow. And the things that we missed because of where we stood, because of where we sat, where we stand now, our perspective, the things that we missed, people can teach us. We can learn something from them. And it's also important to say that um, where you stand depends on where you sit. does not mean every time you learn something new, you're going to change your mind. Because sometimes you're going to learn something new and it's going to change you. Sometimes you're going to learn something new you're going to be like, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Every time you hear these things, you will change sometimes, you will not change other times. And sometimes that will be good. And sometimes that will be bad. We can't do it perfectly. But that's why it's so important to learn and to grow and to seek counsel and to make sure you have Christ following biblical influences and voices in your life. Does that make sense? This is why we need to plug into the older generation. We need to plug into the Bible, God's word. We need to spend time listening for God's voice, spend time in church, listening to spiritual advisors and, and Christians around us because sometimes we're going to mess it up. So we need to make sure we're plugged into the right voices. Where you stand depends on where you sit. This is one of the reasons that policy and platform is often so different in the church, and that's okay. That is okay. As long as we are mature enough to not let it divide us, then it's okay. As long as we are putting people over politics. So here's our template. This is the guide as we process political world, we process our political world through the filter of faith, the law of Christ. 
Love one another as I have loved you. The law of Christ, which we couple with, no, no, this has given us, rewires us to an informed conscience, which we couple with knowledge and wisdom accumulated generation after generation. And this informs our policies and platforms. This informs where we land on these issues. So what do we do about it? How do we move forward in this situation? I'll give you three ideas. Three ideas. First, they're all going to start with L. Isn't that nice? Listen. First of all, listen. Be a student. Uh, sorry, listen to people who don't experience the world the way you do. Listen to people who don't experience the world the way you do. Because, because of where they sit, because of their past, because of their upbringing, because of whatever they've gone through, because of where they sit. Listen to rich people, to poor people, to young people and old people and black people and white people and single people and married people and Christian people and not Christian people. Listen to everyone. And when you listen to people, if you do that, you will learn something. And we don't need to be afraid of learning anything. Being a critic is easy, but be a student. Don't just be a critic. Critic comes easy to me. I didn't take a single lesson, but I can criticize And again, Christians should be the most curious people on the entire planet because our faith is tethered to an event. Our faith is tethered to the resurrection of Jesus. We don't need anything else. (laughs) The resurrection of Jesus is why we're here today. So we don't have to be afraid of new information. We don't have to be afraid of new opinions. And if we don't listen and learn, we're going to discount everything that doesn't fall within our current imperfect perspective. And that would be a mistake. Let me make it really pointed. If you consider yourself a Democrat, your Republican brothers and sisters are not crazy. If you consider yourself a Republican, your Democrat brothers and sisters are not crazy. Your Libertarian brothers and sisters are not crazy. Your Independent brothers and sisters, they're not crazy. They're just like you. They are just like you. They just sit in a different place. They see the world in a different way. And as long as we don't let it divide us, that's okay. If I can make a point here related to learning, this is maybe a little soapbox of mine, so if it's not from the Lord, then spit it out. But it might help you love people better. If you find yourself saying, I don't know how anyone could believe that. Listen to what you're saying. I don't know how anyone could believe that. Because you have just admitted something about yourself not somebody else. I don't know how anyone could agree with this practice. I don't know how anyone could support this candidate. If you don't know, then that's your deficit. (laughs) You've admitted something about yourself, not about somebody else. And that leaves a place for you to learn something. Have you ever asked somebody who disagreed with you, why do you support that thing? Have you ever researched a topic from a perspective that you don't agree with? Ask some questions. When we don't understand something, it's because we don't understand something. That's my soapbox. The last action, the last action point here is, you may have heard this word in this room before, love. Listen, learn, and love. Because remember, it's the law of Christ we are under. And that law is, love people as I have loved you. It's all about love. Please, as you are living in a political world, never burn a relational bridge over a political view. Never burn a relational bridge 
over a political view. And you might say, well, they started the fire on the bridge. They began to burn the bridge. Well, you don't have to burn another bridge on your side. You don't have to start another fire. <laughs> Never burn a political or burn a relational bridge over a political view. This goes back to what we talked about last week, right? Why would we let a political view, a view that I have changed or might change in the future, why would I let a political view divide me from a living, breathing you? The you beside you, the you that Jesus died for. While I was a sinner, while that person was a sinner, Jesus died for us. How dare I burn a relational bridge with someone for whom Jesus died? And as we navigate through a political world with the filter of faith first, that faith will always make us put people over politics. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for what we can learn about how to navigate this life today. And it was written thousands of years ago. And yet we can learn today how to navigate this world. So thank you for that guidance. Thank you for those lessons and what we can learn. And Father, I pray today you help us in this political, politically charged world, you help us to reflect your love. You help us to be united because our oneness is our witness. And you help us as we choose the policies and platforms and candidates that we support. You help us to live under the law of Christ, that you would rewire us to have an informed conscience, and that we would use knowledge and wisdom that you have passed down to inform what we support and who we support. God, help us to put people over politics and never burn a relational bridge over a political view that we might change because you died for that person and you died for me and we are all level. At the foot of the cross, we are all level. So Father, help us to put people over politics and help us to navigate this complicated world. We love you. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.